Welcome to Willow in the Windies with David Oram. Cricket, lovely cricket, at last where I saw it. Cricket, lovely cricket, at last where I saw it. Yardley tried his best, Goddard won the test. They gave the crowd plenty fun, the second test and West Indies won. With those little pals of mine. Hello and welcome to The Willow in the Windies, the new podcast about Caribbean cricket. In this, the inaugural show, I'll be looking back at the recently concluded CPL 2020 tournament in the company of one of the West Indies' most highly regarded broadcasters and commentators, my very good friend, Mr Joseph Reds Pereira. Hi Reds, thank you for joining yes, me. hi David and... Um, Salutations all the way from the West Indies to Pakistan. <laughs> it's it's great to be catching up with you. Um, how how have you been? And uh, did you enjoy the CPL? Yes, I I in, in enjoyed the CPL. Um, it was a little lengthy, um, uh, but you know um, it was also um, fairly fast moving. Mm. Uh, the um, initial front runners didn't. Uh, quite, um, you know, uh, do as well as they were hoping, and I'm talking about maybe the Talawas and the, the, the Zooks. Mm. Um, the Red Steel, who eventually won, along with Guyana, was at the bottom of the, of the ladder. I think the Red Steel did go on to win, and one of the reasons is that they got better as they played, and they got better as they played at home. Yeah. And uh, their outstanding player, got any runs away, but saved all his efforts for a, a fantastic run of scores at home, and that ensured that, you know, they were very, very competitive. Yeah. But um, Tala was one year, we've had the Tridents another year, and uh, the Red Steel in 2015, so it's been shared around, and judging from the crowds, a lot of people turned up. How much tourists traveled in between the islands, I do not know, only the tourist board and the tourist boards can tell us that and that we haven't seen that yet. So it might be a lot of national crowds turning up mm. um, everywhere, and, and, and they have fairly good crowds. Well, they corrected their mistake in CPL3 this year of um, reverting to much, more, much later start times. In CPL2, we had a lot of afternoon games trying to attract the audiences overseas, but that really didn't attract the local supporters in Barbados, St Lucia, elsewhere. They corrected that mistake and went back to that, and the atmosphere was back there at the Games, wasn't it, Reds? Yes, they got that very right this year. Um, I think they got it wrong last year, and um, the, 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 the crowds were very, very good indeed. I think um, there are a couple of things that you could still improve on. I would like mm. to see more... Caribbean uh, personnel, which has been trained since 2007-2010, um, operating as match referees, um, as administrators, helping maybe to, uh, to, to cost costs by bringing personnel that you 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 can find in the Caribbean. Yeah, I'd like to see maybe um, you know at least two more Caribbean voices on television: Jeffrey um, Dujon, Fazir Mohammed. Mm. Um, 
I would like to see uh, a couple more match referees being 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 used. And I think uh, the standard of umpiring, and this is always difficult uh, to say in terms of 2020 cricket because it's such a, a difficult job to do because of the, the atmosphere. It's extremely noisy mm. um, in any one of the grounds. Uh, to hear a bad pad, uh, sometimes to see a thin edge, uh, you know, it's, it's sometimes very, very difficult. And uh, that's one area, I think, that definitely could be improved on. You also, uh, I read a couple of articles, um, interviews with you uh, uh, last week in the Guyana Chronicle, uh, where you were talking about many of these uh, subjects. Another thing you mentioned was uh, the review system, that you'd like to see that brought into the competition. Yes, I certainly think the umpires should be aided with at least two um, opportunities of a review, re, re, review system. Uh, this don't have to be long-winded. It could be kept down to 60 seconds so you don't uh, affect the flow of, 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 of the 2020 format. But I think a lot of people who, who watched, um, I think, will, will, will support that view. And there was some support. Um, for what I said in the Chronicle, uh, that two reviews um, and games were won and lost, maybe, on the fact that um, you know the, the umpires might not have gotten it right. Yeah, I, I you touched also just there uh, upon something very close to your own heart, the commentaries. Uh, personally, as an Englishman, but who lived for nearly four years in the Caribbean. I was very disappointed, particularly with the television commentaries, that there was such an underrepresentation of the Caribbean voice, which I think is so important. And it was particularly noticeable that many of the commentators, however professional or otherwise they may be in their experience, genuinely did not know who the players were, particularly when they were local, uh, domestic Caribbean players. They just couldn't identify them. Is that really fair to the Caribbean people, Reds, to be having international commentators on a domestic tournament? Well, that's something that um, should worry the CPL organisers. That um, the I, I don't want to say foreign because I don't want to use <laughs> that word in, in a in a nasty negative way. But no. if you're having overseas commentators, they've got to do their homework. They've got to know who is this young left-arm spinner um, called Davis for, for, from Trinidad. Yeah. Uh, they, they've got to know who are the uh, people who, you know, not a lot of international stuff is written on. And I do agree with you, that was quite lacking. That was quite lacking. People came on to bowl or people um, got a chance to bat. Uh, they were, you know, maybe given their first game. Um, some commentators would have uh, some idea, uh, but um, you know, uh, if Ian Bishop wasn't on, uh, you know, or you know, mm. someone who or Darren Ganga, Darren Ganga wasn't on, um, you know, that, that that person will hardly get a mention in terms of background, in terms of experience, in terms of age, yeah. where he's come from, etc. Um, certainly think that. Um, you know, uh, Jeffrey Dujon and uh, Fazir Mohammed would have eliminated uh, much of that need. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's hope that that's something that they look at uh, for for next year. 
Um, the final itself, um, I think Trinidad certainly uh, played the better cricket on the day. There have been question marks against Pollard's captaincy, particularly his use of uh, Corbin, your own, uh, batting at number three. Your own thoughts? Yes, I think um, he had a, uh, Pollard had a great run, except for the, for, for, for the final. He just seemed to have got a lot wrong. First of all, I mean, the, the decision, not just by him, but the, the management team, um, leaving out uh, Jonathan Carter, um, an experienced player, a player who's uh, played at the highest level against in front of big crowds. And I'll be uh, a big match Corbin, player. Uh, you know, at, at, at the very end, I mean, you know, being thrown in at the deep end was a mistake. Um, he batted at number three. And when Smith, who was going well, got out on the inside edge off of Ben, one would have thought that Pollard quickly should have brought himself up yeah. uh, to ensure that um, you know he, he he got the rate back up again. They were far behind the rate. Uh, but Mishpa came in, uh, and uh, they just uh, fell further and further behind. Mm. And uh, Pollard just had so much to do. In terms of the bowling, uh, Ram Paul had an off day, an off night, I don't know what, what you want to call it. <laughs> um, and uh, Jason Holder didn't come into bowl until maybe after 12 overs. Uh, I think he, he, got, he got a lot wrong. Uh, maybe the, the, the most amazing mistake was at the toss. He said he was happy uh, to play in front of his home crowd. Yeah. But his home crowd happens to be at Kensington. <laughs> um, uh, the Trident's backers are at Kensington. They're not um, at uh, the Queen's Park Oval, except maybe a minority who probably had travelled or who live or go to school in, in Trinidad. He certainly got that wrong. I mean, it was, in fact, a major faux pas. One, one, of, the, uh, one of the things that came out during the course of the tournament... Uh, the organisers have spoke several times about the investment they've made in the tournament was the lack of investment coming from Barbados and the Barbados government. Um, there is a possibility that there won't be CPL cricket at the Kensington Oval uh, next season. They are talking. There was an article in uh, Crick Info yesterday, uh, Damien O'Donoghue, the CEO of the CPL, uh, said they do want to keep the competition tight at six teams, but there has also been speculation in other elements of the press that Tobago could come in. Um, I think they're trying to downplay the possible elimination of Barbados, or the, we should call them the Barbados Tridents, from next year's competition. But what would the implications for the region's cricket be if that were to happen, Reds? Well, it would be, I think, very disappointing if um, there's no CPL at Kensington. Um, you know, one just has to look back at the history of West Indies cricket and, and, and the short history of, of the CPL. The crowds have been tremendous. But, you know, um, this is a very difficult time for most Caribbean governments, mm. maybe except uh, Trinidad Tobago because of their oil riches, because of their natural gas. They probably um, could finance the, the expansion into Tobago, mm. which will be a small ground. The ground in Tobago is small. Um, I, I think it's difficult enough to play 2020 cricket um, on a normal sized ground. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's really a bowler's nightmare in St. Kitts. Um, 
it's a it's a, it's a batsman's uh, game in St. Kitts. Maybe some people will say cricket is always a batsman game, but the small ground makes it very very difficult for the captains and very difficult for the bowlers. I don't believe that too many bowlers will vote for Tobago. Um, they, we we have St. Kitts, and St. Kitts is probably definitely on um, the the next itinerary. Um, I would think that the Barbados government can say, look, um, you know, we cannot provide the kind of money uh, you are asking for. We have um, a commitment uh, to Barbados of all walks of life in terms of the social safety net, in terms of keeping jobs, um, in terms of uh, investment, uh, in terms of fixing roads and schools. It's a difficult call, maybe not... um, not maybe appreciated enough, but, um, you know, I don't believe that, uh, you know, there's so much of money around unless we'll probably get more investment um, out of India. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they, they they went to back Trinidad. Maybe mm-hmm. they, they might like to, to, to back the Barbados franchise or a couple of other franchises or some international personalities. Well, on one hand, let's hope so. But on the other hand, there is a danger that... Uh, a competition that already is not owned. Uh, they, the, the WICB does not own the CPL. It has shares in it. But if we get more foreign investors buying the teams, you could basically have an overseas competition being played in the Caribbean with Caribbean players. Um, yeah, well, some people, David, are, are a little concerned about maybe the, that lack of ownership, that maybe the initial agreement um, gave the, the, the owners... Um, yeah. Just too many years, um, you know, 50's a lot of years. W- without any kind of real review. Yeah. And um, it, it, it's definitely uh, something which probably initially uh, there was a mistake with, and maybe it should have been an initial five year agreement with a review after that. Um, uh, and lots of questions about, you know, how the Caribbean is benefiting. Mm. Lots of questions about how are the West Indies. Um, board is benefiting? How are the individual territories benefiting? The CPL is saying that lots of tourism, but that is still uh, to be clearly seen. The, the, the numbers, I mean, how many people came into Barbados? How many people went into Guyana? Similar question to St. Lucia. Similar question to Trinidad and Tobago. I think it looks like an all uh, TNT crowd um, with maybe people who live there. Mm. Um, so um, I, I would think that we need to see maybe a little bit of, of, of clarity, a little, a little bit of transparency in terms of, of the numbers. What is the board making? What are the individual countries really making, etc.? Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, Dwayne Bravo was the winning skipper and uh, man of the tournament. Uh, after the game, he... Uh, did a bit of a sing-song uh, in celebration in which he made some critis- uh, critical comments of the West Indies cricket board. Uh, he still appears to be out of favour with the uh, one-day side. He recently made himself unavailable or confirmed his unavailable, continuing unavailability for test cricket, but he's out of favour with the one-day side. The one-day side, who have now dropped to ninth in the ICC's world rankings behind Pakistan and therefore will not qualify, as things stand at the moment, for the next Champions Trophy. They've been trying to organise some ODI 
fixtures to perhaps get them back up the ladder. Is this a terrible indictment to the state of West Indies cricket at the moment, Reds? Yes, I think it it is um, an indictment uh, maybe across the board. Some people might point their fingers. Uh, I saw Michael Finley's story, a mm. uh, respective uh, former West Indian player and chairman of Selected, saying that it's really the fault of the players. They just don't have the class. Mm. Uh, they had the chances, but they're te- technically, um, you know, not gifted. Some people feel that the the, the borders uh, made errors, that they're People are saying that the selectors have made errors, um, but um, basically what maybe a lot of people didn't expect is that to bang that Bangladesh would have done so very well yeah. against uh, South Africa recently, and uh, you know we were always relying that we were ahead of Bangladesh, and, and uh, I think the success of Bangladesh has really. Uh, cause the knockout punch uh, to the West Indies. Now, they're trying to arrange a fixture with India, or a, a one-day fixture with India, but uh, no word is on that yet. But that was the um, statement made by the president of the board, David Cameron, in St. Lucia at the town hall meeting, really? that they were trying to do an ODI series. I don't know where that is right now. Well, the last I saw on that literally today, Reds, was uh, a statement in the Trinidad Express by the CEO, Michael Muirhead, saying that they won't be playing ODIs against India. They haven't given up looking elsewhere. Um, So that door seems to be rather closed. It's, I have to be honest, it's something I've uh, counselled to many critics in the Caribbean for the last three, four years, who, when West Indies were beating teams like New Zealand, Bangladesh, etc., and belittled those victories, I said, beware that there may be a day when Bangladesh is downplaying victories over West Indies and saying, oh, well, it's only the West Indies. I think they can climb back up the ladder, but it's they've got a lot to do. Yes, they, 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 they do have a lot to do. Just to go back to that Bangladesh series, I saw um, a couple of games. Uh, they really played well. They, they mm. really played um, beyond anyone's expectations. I mean, they really matched South Africa. Just back to the statement by the CEO, um, you know, I, I await a West Indies board statement. Yes. Um, that was an interview in a newspaper uh, and David, until I, I hear, hear it coming from the West Indies board, that Woody Richards has put that out, or Phil, Phil Spooner, yeah. I will uh, keep hoping that the India thing is is, is not dead yet. Um, but uh, it, it it probably looks uh, it, it, that it, it may not happen. It's also worth remembering there has been some criticism in elements of the Caribbean press that um, falling to ninth, is the, the result of dropping players like Pollard, Bravo, etc., uh, victimising, as some people like to refer to it, and the poor performance in the World Cup, that that's why they've dropped to ninth. But, as you and I know, we must reiterate that with the ICC rankings, these go over a two-year period, and so it reflects the period also when those guys were in the side and underperforming. Yes, I think Clive Lloyd has made that point. Um, that we have lost with all those names in 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 the lineup, and um, 
you know, it's, it's something that will be long be debated. Should they have gone for them? Uh, what was going to be the spirit under a new captain? Mm. Uh, very, very difficult now as you look back uh, to know exactly how it, 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 it would have worked out in, in, in the end. There is an irony, it seems to me as well, that the West Indies have fallen to ninth in the one-day international rankings in a week in which uh, Michael Holding has said that he feels that Test cricket is dying. Do you agree with him? Well, it's which part of the world is dying? It's certainly not dying in England and it's not dying in South Africa nor Australia. Um, and I will think that it's not going to be dying in Bangladesh. Uh, New Zealand mm. have every hope, and they've taken their cricket to the smaller grounds that they can keep it alive. So I would think that um, there may be some affiliates of the ICC, um, you know, who, who, who must be worried, and, and West Indies is in fact one of them. And um, one of the reasons for trying to get to India was to help also to pay off the $42 million dollars. Um, so yeah. uh, I don't know if Michael was specific, but um, I, I think there there's maybe a minority of the ICC countries uh, that r really are in in, in, in real trouble. Mm -hmm. The ones I mentioned, uh, I think they, they they get receipts will continue. Their attendances will be good for quite a while. I just want to look outside the Caribbean for a moment with you, Red. Um... In the world of cricket this week, the Ashes is a, a, a big deal. But also this week we saw the uh, the sad death of uh, Clive Rice, who was a very fine international player for the South, for the South Africans during their period uh, of exclusion through apartheid and, and led them um, often against rebel sides. You, of course, broke the story about the West Indies rebel tours in the mid-1980s. Uh, I just wondered your own memories of Clive Rice and the period. Well, you know, as uh, someone hooked on the game, you followed English county cricket very carefully on a daily basis. And, you know, Clive Rice was one of those very uh, consistent performers um, and, uh, you know, had to pay the price because of uh, a horrible system called apartheid. Uh, that his, his government instituted. Um, outstanding player in England, highly respected, um, more of a batting all-rounder, and had the good fortune of meeting him in Australia mm. uh, when uh, he was over there for World Series cricket during the Kerry Packer period. And, um, you know, uh, a young, fairly young man, um, you know, going at that time, and some of the the, the, the reviews, um, you know, speak for, for, for themselves. Yeah, yeah. A very, a very, very, very fine cricketer, and I would suggest that, with the possible exception of uh, Barbados' own Franklin Stevenson, the greatest cricketer never to play a test match. Yes, I think that would be a pretty, pretty good comparison. Um, the best, the best not to play the, uh, an international, you know, national test match. Just finally, before we wrap up, Red, uh, I touched upon the the Ashes. You and I have just finished watching England complete a uh, victory in the third test at uh, Edgbaston to take a two-one lead. Uh, your feelings about the series so far? 
Oh, great series, great series. I mean, one of the things you didn't want now is that anyone to be leading 3 <laughs> uh, And Certainly, Australia arrive, um, well, uh, initially with, with some problems in terms of injury and things like that. Um, but, uh, you know, the momentum of them winning at Lords uh, just did not uh, happen. And I think it's, it's good for the series that uh, England are now 2-1 up. Um, England has lost Anderson, which is a major loss. Mm. Whether Light will keep his place, we don't know. Australia has got some tinkering to do, mm. mainly, mainly with their batting, um, mm. because uh, Rogers is Mr. Consistent. Uh, Smith um, hasn't quite produced the magic in the way he produces. And um, I think you can see, you know, three three changes uh, for the, the next test match. And they don't have a, lo- a lot of time um, to make up their minds. I think the performance of, 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 of the new keeper, Neville, um, must be m- mentioned. Lots of discussion among the Australian greats whether he should have uh, played and whether should they should have gone back to Haddon. Um, I, I think it's unfortunate that, that Haddon had to be left out the way he was left out because of the illness to his offspring. Yeah. But um, I, I think Neville has earned, earned his, his play, and Australia now has got to put a batting lineup uh, together to be competitive. Is Wood fit? Um, you know, mm. uh, we, we just have to wait and see who will come in. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I agree with almost everything you said there, Reds. Uh, I disagree with the comment that... Um, wouldn't have liked to have seen anybody 3-0 up. I'd have had no problem seeing England 3-0 up at this stage. Uh, and I speak, obviously, as an incredibly biased correspondent. Yes, but I think um, <laughs> the, the international world wants to have a, te- a test series with a bit of an edge. And it's Absolutely. certainly got an edge now. And can Australia bounce back? Can Australia bounce back? As neutrals, I'm sure everybody would hope they do. Uh, I hope they don't. Uh, Reds, it's time to lift the bales and call time. I'd like to thank you ever so much for joining me on the show. Yeah, well, this let me bring you up to date. The, the under-15 West Indies won by Guyana, and they seem to be in a very good position to win the under-19, but there's still one um, rung left. Uh, so the Guyanese cricket board um, could be fairly happy that their young players are repeating what they did last year, will that be reflected uh, when the four-day competition start? That's uh, a totally different matter. We shall wait and see. I want to thank you again, Reds, and I want to thank our listeners for joining us. This has been The Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. I hope you can be with us again for the next edition. Goodbye. <laughs>